Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. I've been doing this podcast since September of 2012, and boy, are my lips tired. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And our friend Sam Page is uh, traveling today, so he won't be able to join us. And uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing him uh, starting again next week. But uh, today I do have a special guest joining me. Her name is Michelle Kennedy. And uh, th- this is kind of like going back to, we haven't done any real woo for a while. We're going to do some woo today, some good woo. You know, like the really, really good deep down woo and which kind of goes down into your gut. And uh, we have the right person to talk to about that because she's a Reiki master. She's an Akashic Records reader. She's into meditation and mindfulness. She does prenatal and children's yoga. I mean, this is a pretty cool collection of stuff this lady does. So, Michelle, first of all, thank you for joining me on the program. And second of all, how did you find time for all that? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me, Walt. it is it is a struggle to balance sometimes, but it you know is. things certain things take priorities and and you figure it out. Yeah, that's pretty much true, isn't it? You just figure it out. So give us a little bit of the potted bio. How did the whole thing get started for you? So it started with um, it definitely started with yoga, um, which I think is the way that I needed things to go. I'm a Taurus, so oh, sure, very practical, grounded. You are too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. Same to you. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it definitely helped me be grounded in the woo <laughs> and, you know, learn, learn the subtleties of the subtle body and chakras and, and using body, mind and soul alignment to find your peace. And during yoga teacher training, I met someone who was training to, uh, in Reiki. And she wanted to practice on me. And okay. so I did it. And she said, you know, you're a healer, too. Your hands were on fire when I was working on you. And it's very clear that you have some healing gifts. And I said, OK, can you teach me? But she wasn't a master yet. So she said no. And at first I let that go on a back burner and then married, had a kid, pregnant with the second one. Uh, my husband was diagnosed with Hodgkin's Ooh. and yeah, and our yoga teacher recommended he go to her Reiki master and it was great. He started to heal even before he started chemo. He is good today. Um, it Fantastic. is 16 years since uh, he got diagnosed and he's doing fine. Fantastic. So because. Yeah. So the Reiki was so amazing for him and his his side effects from the, the toxic chemicals they put in your body. It was so helpful. I just knew, like, now this is the time and I have to do this. So are, are um, you familiar and, with the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza? I'm kind of curious. Yes. Yes. A little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, done a, lot, a lot of mind body work there. It's pretty, pretty cool. Him and uh, yeah. Bruce Lipton. And there, there are a few of those guys who are in that same space. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important to have your spiritual support during a really um, terminal illness, basically, but um, or any kind of bad time physically, you know, your physical ailments, if your your mental and emotional and spiritual is not aligned, you can continue the sickness. So mm-hmm. my husband had a great attitude. He said, I'm going to get through this. I want to meet my son because I was pregnant. And he said, we're going to do this. And he, the Reiki master was really practical with him and said, you can continue to do Reiki with me, but you need to do your chemo. And he, he had um, his pet scan, his first pet scan two months after treatment. And they said, we don't see any cancer in your body, but we wow. will continue the chemo. Yeah. Because that's the protocol. Um, so he really healed quickly, and I 100% believe that Reiki was a big part of that and his his attitude as well. You know, my own experience with Reiki is very limited. I've, I've never studied to become anything in Reiki at all. Um, I've only had limited discussions with others who are Reiki masters here on the program and off the program as well. Um, but I did have one little tiny experience. I've told people here on the show about it before. Um, I don't remember exactly how we got it, but we, we got a photocopied page out of that Reiki book you're not supposed to be able to get. It, it described how you do one particular healing exercise. My wife was experiencing, and sometimes to this day, still experiences headaches and has trouble sleeping and so forth. 
And she, so she turned to me and said, do you think you could do what's on the page for me? And I looked at it, I said, oh, it looks simple enough. Yeah, I guess I could give it a try. And, and so I tried it and it worked. And she went right to sleep and next morning was fine. And we've used it countless times since then the same way. And every time it's the same result. Every time the headache is alleviated, she's able to sleep through, she wakes up feeling fine the next day. Now, I don't know how much of that is, is the Reiki. What I do know is this, I was astonished when I found how much energy I could feel off of her body. That just blew my, I would, it, it blew my hand more than my, it blew my mind. My, my left hand, especially, I can really pick it up. I was just really shocked. I mean, it, it's not like this little thing that you kind of wonder if you're imagining. It's like, oh my God, did somebody put a magnet on my hand? It was, it's powerful. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I had, I had people, um, say to me, do you have a heating pad on my head or something? Yeah, right. And I'm like, no, it's just my hands. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, heat, electricity. There's a lot of energy moving yeah. through. And yeah, and I agree. There's almost like a magnetic feeling when you're going over, you know, scanning over someone's body um, with that energy. And I, I personally believe that we all have inherent healing gifts. You know, the spirit has so much more power than we give it. Even the mind has a lot more um, capability than we give it. That's why uh, placebo effect works, because our mind yeah. over matter. So I think we all can harness some level of energy. And especially for someone you care for, it's like, you know, mom kissing the boo-boo and making it better. It really, when we care about someone, our heart chakra just opens and we can give so much healing power just through that. Plus, I was really astonished. I And I, it happened right with the very first time I tried this little technique. Um, it's basically just a scan the body technique. And the first time I tried it, I could tell where the headache was located. I said, are you feeling it right here? And I touched that part of her head. She said, yeah, that's it. How did you know that? I said, because I could feel like this is vortex of energy going on there. It's very predominant. And and it's almost always true. There's sometimes I miss, but most often, man, it's just amazing how you can just locate it, isolate it really fast. Yeah. It's, it's really an amazing tool. Yeah. I, I personally believe that everyone should know how to do Reiki, even just level one training. So using it as a tool for your own self-care, using it with your family members or or friends. And, you know, it's just, it's, it, again, I think it's something that we haven't tapped into, but it can really help in so many ways. Self-care is uh, one of the terms that's coming up a lot this week. And so I'm going to tap into that one for a moment um, because it is very, very important. We were talking yesterday with a guest I had on yesterday about the importance of self-care in business and particularly when you're running a company or something like that. But it really applies everywhere, right? It applies in every aspect of our lives. In your experience, where have you found that self-care has made the biggest difference, either for yourself or for clients you've worked with, but where have you seen the biggest shift, so to speak, happen um, where self-care was concerned or where it was involved in some way? Yeah, I think that the past, you know, two years or so has been really vital to mm -hmm. make self-care a priority because we went through a collective trauma. We're still kind of going through it depending on what your thought, pro thought process is. Sure. But, you know, the shutdown itself that happened around the world, that alone triggered a lot of people with their own, oh, yeah. you know, darkness, demons, skeletons in the closet. Um, so I think self-care has really gone off the charts, the need for it. Whether people are doing it or not is another thing, but we look at mental health care Right now, there's such a demand and not enough practitioners to help. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people discovered me over the past two years because of that seeking help and not getting it wherever they were looking before or not enough. So mm -hmm. I really think that the self-care through this collective experience we're all having, it's really important to work on the self so that you can also support others in turn. I agree. It, it was also kind of, uh, I, I hesitate to say that it was happy. It wasn't quite happy. It was kind of fun. Let's put it that way. It was fun to see some of the things that people would post on social media, trying to find ways to 
involve themselves in stuff, usually with their families, because that's, you know, we're pretty much limited to family units. You know, parents coming up with really creative ways to play with the kids and, you know, build snow, snow forts or, you know, do something in the backyard with, you know, create some sort of a special adventure, something like that. I, I think it really showed that the, there is a significant chunk of the population. I won't, I won't say whether majority or minority, but there's a significant chunk that at least intuitively gets the need for self-care and they just go do it which I find to be really encouraging. I, I agree with you. And we all have little things that we like to do for self-care that we don't even, we kind of take for granted, like going outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, my thing, I, I, I love to look up to the sky and just whether it's nighttime or daytime, daytime it's, it's looking and scanning for clouds. Nighttime is scanning for what stars or constellations I can see. And it's, this feeling of hope comes from that. And I don't even always understand why, but it's this mm. connection to all, all beings everywhere. My, over the pandemic, my greatest, I guess I want to call it self-care obsession was with praying mantis that were in our yard. Oh. <laughs> in the first summer of 2020, we, I counted eight praying wow. mantis. Yeah. So there was four pairs and. You know, the original one I could just identify because she had a little like blemish on her back. So it was just like every morning I would go have my coffee in in this sunroom and outside the window were were a couple of the praying mantis and the cat would sit with me and I'd have my coffee and I would have, you know, breakfast or coffee with the praying mantis. <laughs> and uh, but it, it it helped ground me. It helped me keep that sanity and you know, be able to start my day hopeful instead of hopeless. Yeah, which is vital. I mean, we, we all know that in uh, LOA circles or, you know, broader um, enlightened circles. I hate to use that word because it makes everybody sound like, oh, we're, we're so much better than everybody else. But that's not the case at all. Um, it, I, I have yet to find the right term. But the circles that we're in that, that explore this kind of stuff, let's put it that way, that, that the, the people who are in those circles really do appreciate the importance of starting your day off right. And many of us have developed over the last few years, some of us during the pandemic because of it, but others before that have been developing these patterns of behavior to basically change the way we look at the day and look at starting the day kind of, kind of like uh, what they portrayed in the movie, The Secret. You know, if you stub your toe, all of a sudden the whole thing turns into this one long series of unfortunate events. But if you shake it all off and focus on something that feels good to you, everything works out better. Same, the same basic principle. And, and it really does work. It really does pay off to do that, especially if what you're trying to do is something more advanced, like what many of us do, which is uh, to do, they, they go by various names. I'm currently calling them check-ins. Um, sometimes it's pre-paving, sometimes, I mean, it has a variety of different names that you can do throughout the day. But basically, it's checking in with yourself, seeing how you're doing, making an adjustment where needed, where you find, oh, I'm really not focusing on stuff that's serving me, and I'm feeling down or angry or frustrated or whatever because of that. And basically being mindful like and that's one of your main concepts that you talked about in your profile being mindful that mindfulness is a is a key feature so talk about mindfulness for a moment so mindfulness i think most people have a similar idea or viewpoint of it but mindfulness is just knowing where where your head is at at the time so like you said mm-hmm. starting your day in a positive mindset or neutral you know there is something to be said for neutral as well um Toxic positivity can be really harmful to us to pretend that you're in a positive mindset, but just awareness is, is good enough sometimes to know mm-hmm. where you're at, even if you're scared. I, I am a strong believer in every single emotion. All the feelings are important and have value. Yes. And, um, it's interesting because this is something that I realized a few years back that, um, the Reiki principles, there are five ethical principles to Reiki. First two are just for today, I will not get angry. Just for today, I will not worry. And I used to struggle with them so much. And then in around 2017, 2018, I was like, well, being angry sometimes is really relevant to help push you out of a bad situation. Same for worry or mm-hmm. fear. So I rewrote my own basically saying that off the top of my head, I don't remember the exact words I used, but basically 
It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to be worried. Those things help us. They can be a catalyst to move us forward. So if one day you woke up and you feel not safe or angry or fearful, and it's okay. You dig in. You sit with it. You breathe. You see where you feel it like that scan. See where you feel it in your body. Go over your body. Is it in my heart? Is it in my shoulders? Is it in my belly? Where is it? And then sit with it. What is causing this? And let it come up. Let yourself feel it. If it means you have to cry or scream, um, do it. There's a lot of a lot of value in vocalizing what you're feeling. And it doesn't even have to be words. It could just be a sound. You know, I go back to uh, Dr. Seuss, Seuss with the yop, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's just, <laughs> just a yop. And you need to make that sound and let your voice be heard. Express it from your body. Yeah. I, the way I like to talk about it is uh, negative emotions should never be pushed away, but we don't want to live in them. So the question yes. is how long you're going to stay there. And, and I think that this is a point that doesn't come out very often. So I've been making it a lot lately, which is when, when you do that kind of work, and that's what we call it work. I'm not sure it really is work. It's, it's basically letting it kind of come up and just be what it is. When you do that, I, I, I know for myself, the idea of allowing that to happen created fear for me because I had this belief in the back of my mind that once I brought it up, I wouldn't be able to get rid of it. It would never go away. And so the first few times that I actually did allow it to come up and did allow it to express, I was amazed it went away in like a minute. But this was not, this was not like this long drawn out process that I thought it was going to be. And I suspect other people kind of feel the same thing, especially if it's something related to some trauma that they know they experienced, especially a childhood trauma. Oh, this is going to take weeks. It's going to take years. And they don't want to go through that kind of pain. Who does? But to find out that once you allow it to come out, it actually comes out pretty quickly. I think that it makes it easier. I think it makes it easier to stop stuffing it. it, makes it easier to say, oh, well, okay, I can tolerate that for a minute. I don't like it a whole lot, but I can tolerate it for a minute. To me, the irony is when we don't allow it, when we hold it back, we're actually torturing ourselves with it. We don't think about it that way, but that's what we're really doing. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how our chakras get blocked. That's how some illness can form because we let it stay stuck somewhere in the body. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, exactly. Sometimes just holding a space, you can even set a timer like I'm going to allow myself to feel as angry as I need to feel for a minute, three minutes, five minutes. Which is a long time, is. by the way. Yeah, yeah. Or that cry. So like some of my clients, they'll be like, if they're grieving, well, I'm crying every day. Crying is very healthy. Allow yourself that time mm-hmm. and space to feel yeah. that. Let it out. Because, yeah, exactly. Because what's the alternative? The alternative is getting yourself sick and pretending for everybody's benefit that you're okay. Um, And continuing to feel all the pain anyway. Right. And not be okay. Yeah. I mean, so that's what's so odd to me. Now, my wife is a former psychotherapist, so I also get that side of it, you know, from talking with her. And, you know, a a therapist can spend, depending on how uh, direct and how insistent the therapist is that the patient actually do some growing and building um it can take days or weeks or months before you know the the, the client will even get to the point where they're willing to let anything out where they're willing to even admit that there's anything to come out and i now from where i sit now my understanding right now i'm thinking my god that's weeks and months of just torturing themselves they don't even know that they're torturing themselves all they have to do is let it out and not only would they be saving a huge bill with a therapist but they wouldn't be torturing themselves (laughs) yeah yeah but, you know, sometimes it's buried under other stuff, too, because you've oh, let yeah. it sit so long. It's like letting the laundry pile up before you actually fold it and put it away. You know, you're looking mm-hmm. for that shirt and it's in there, but mm-hmm. you can't access it because you didn't actually do the do that work. So, yeah, it's it can be really hard to access that. But that's why it's important if you let that even one minute, I'm going to cry and I'm just going to sit with it and see where this is coming from. And then you can, if you actually hold that space for it, that in that one minute, you can be like, oh, my God, this is all about that event. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it is hard. And we do play tricks on ourselves and we tell ourselves lies. And that's why therapy can take a really long time. The other thing that I've learned, and I've only learned this in the last year or two, is 
that there actually is value in allowing emotions to come up and not being worried about what caused them. Not getting yes. wrapped up in that. Try, I, got, I, I don't know where this is coming from and getting wrapped up in that. It turns out it almost isn't important. If it's important to you because you want to know about it, then it's important. But beyond that, most of the time, it actually isn't all that important. Most important is just getting it out. And, and as I allowed myself on occasion to do that, to just let stuff come out and not question where it came from, just, okay, something had to get out, whatever it was. Well, actually, that made it easier for me because now I didn't have to figure the darn thing out. Okay, well, whatever it was is gone. Bye. Go away. <laughs> it's true. I have heard it. Drop the story. Feel the emotions. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it depends on, on which one is actually working for you. You have to kind of try it and find it out. But yeah. uh, I, I definitely found value because for the longest time, I resisted the idea of trying to feel something without knowing what it was. I suspect a lot of people do. If, if you're anything, I, I'm an analytical person. If you're analytical, you want to know how everything works. You want to know, you want to <laughs> exactly. figure the whole thing out. And it's not even so much that you want to, you feel like you have to. Like it's, yeah. it, it is a law of the universe that you must figure this out. <laughs> Which isn't really true, but that's kind of what goes on in the mindset. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's true. We all want, we want to make, have solutions. We want to solve the puzzle, mm -hmm. whatever it is. But yeah, sometimes it's just, I'm sad today and I'm going to let myself be sad for this little bit or however long it lasts. And, and, and that's okay. The, the one that I find that I have to be a little careful with is being pissy for very long. <laughs> that, that 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 can actually hang out if you because I, I I think what it is pissiness is like I yeah I'm feeling it and I'm going to acknowledge that I'm feeling it but I'm not going to totally acknowledge it so it's not going to completely go away <laughs> it's like a halfway state you know a halfway house of emotions or something I'm not quite sure exactly why that is but oh yeah it, so I have to be a little careful about that state but generally for most emotions yeah. it tends to work for the other stuff I was talking about. Yeah, pissy so. is tough because you can let it kind of yeah. live there for a while. Oh, and... yeah. Yeah. It can take <laughs> over. Yeah, it really can. It yeah. really can. Yeah, pretty easily, actually. In fact, I think that's where mindfulness is really helpful because once you develop this habit, I'll speak for myself, once I started developing this habit of being more mindful, being more aware, I like the word you used, aware, uh, of how I'm feeling, what's going on, how I'm responding, Am I choosing my responses or am I just reacting? All that kind of stuff. The more that I, I do that, when stuff does come up and I start noticing like I'm being pissy, something along that line, then it starts to become humorous. <laughs> because very often, you do it long enough, you can't even remember why you're being pissy. You know, it's something yeah. kicked it off and, and then you're like, you know, 25 stories beyond that and like, what was it? I forget. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I think that's where the advantage of mindset, mindfulness rather is because the more, the more that you pay attention to stuff like this, the easier it is to laugh at it, the easier it is to let go of it. Um, and, and there's, there's like that, that cork in the water analogy. The more mindful you are, the more you're like a cork rather than like a stone. So you bob up to the surface so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the stone goes right to the bottom. There it is. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Even like the stuff that has, you know, been hitting the news in the past, this past whole past year, there's been some big stressful news, heavy mm -hmm. stuff to carry. And yeah, we need to hold space and, and feel those feelings in the moment. But we also need to remember that we need to preserve our strength and recognize this is a a situation that's way bigger than us, whether it's a mm -hmm. fight and or, or, you know, um, whether it's about war or politics, it's a long game. And so yeah. we have to keep our strength. We have to find that kind of neutral balance as we move a, forward. I had a guest on, I think probably in the last two weeks, I can't remember her name. Really cool. She's a, an actor. She, she was uh, on one of the, the, the big TV series that's on right now. Um, as a, uh, uh, not, not as a major role, but she had a recurring role in the series. We were talking about exactly this kind of thing. She, she pointed out a couple of interesting things. One of which was she has, as part of her little, um, practice for how she maintains her mindfulness, one of the first questions she'll ask herself is, is this my feeling or is this somebody else's? 
because you can't pick up group feeling. You can pick up society feeling and not realize that that's what you're doing. That's, yeah. that's an important distinction. It is. It is, especially since people in our world are often empathic mm -hmm. that we can be feeling other people's feelings. Yeah. So I, I think especially with news, politics, world events of various kinds, or even the world of entertainment. I've, I've made this point many times. Let's be perfectly honest. The entertainment world is not all happy and cheery and rosy. It's all about drama and horror and terror and all this other horrible stuff. And like, oh, wait a minute, what are we exposing ourselves to here? <laughs> you know, so there, there are multiple sources of all this, this traumatic stuff we're looking at. And when we're looking at TV dramas or movie dramas or whatever, we're looking at somebody else's emotions and we're taking them on. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Even when we think we're not, that's the part that yeah. is more seductive than anything else. We think that we're not affected, yeah. but we're being affected. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Because if you don't know you're being affected, then it gets any easier. That's what sticks around. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just found a new home. I'm going to stay here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had this theory that that's why so many of us were intrigued by shows we wouldn't normally, like at the beginning of the pandemic that everybody mm. was watching. Uh, the Tiger King and mm -hmm. um, Love is Blind. Like it, I consider it junk food TV because we needed mindless. We needed silly. We needed this is completely out there. And you can't, didn't have to get attached to anyone because it was so far fetched from anyone's day to day life. And mm -hmm. then when the season twos came around, it was like, how did I watch this? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, actually, I'm not much of a TV watcher, to be honest. My wife watches a lot more than I do, and I'll, I'll sit with her, you know, after dinner or something like that. But most of the time, I'm, my, my attention is almost everywhere else except on the television. But there was one TV series that came up. It was actually recommended by a friend, a fellow co-host here on the show. Um, she recommended the show Ted Lasso, which was up for all these Emmys and so forth. Yes. And I, I, when, when, when Cindy recommends something, I pay attention. You, know, you have lots of friends who recommend things and you know some give you recommendations that are better than others whenever she gives me a recommendation i know 90 percent i'm going to like it whatever it is it's a very high uh, success rate with her so i said okay i'll check it out and those i've said this many times about that series the first two or three episodes are were, were just like going to the dentist for me they were so painful because they were so stereotypical one-dimensional characters i mean it was like oh god another typical sitcom i can't stand this and then they started behaving like human beings around episode four. And all of a sudden, the whole series take on, takes on an entirely different tone. And of course, um, what Jason and the cast were, and, of writers were, were doing, besides being lead characters, they were also writing it, they were trying to deliberately portray positivity. And I thought to myself, that's pretty unusual in the entertainment industry. Yeah. You don't get that very often. And they even, I, I saw an interview with Tim and, um, guy who plays uh, uh, Roy Kent, uh, who's also one of the writers, and they were talking about how they shopped it around in Hollywood, in New York, all the usual suspects, all the different places that producers would go. Nobody would invest in it. Nobody would invest in it because it was all about positivity and feeling good. And, hey, nobody's going to buy that. You can't sell advertising on that. And then it goes and gets nominated for 20 uh, Emmy Awards and wins seven, and it's one of the most popular shows on television. I take two takeaways away from that. The first one is I actually found a TV series I liked. That's a big one. <laughs> the second yeah. one is apparently the producers are wrong. People, particularly during the pandemic, were ripe for positivity. They were eager for it. And in fact, the, uh, the woman who plays the owner of the football club uh, in an interview commented on exactly that point. She thought the timing of it was perfect because it came out during the pandemic at a time when, in her words, the world needed a great big hug. I thought that was yeah. a good way of describing it. Yeah, that is how that show feels, definitely. Yeah. Every, at the end of every episode, you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. have you watched season two? Yeah, seen both seasons. I'm looking forward to the third season. There was actually one sh one episode in, in the second season that uh, Louise and I don't like to watch more than once, the, the one where... Um, Coach Beard goes off on his night in the town, and it's like one of the most psychotic episodes that they've ever done. But the rest of them were great. The rest, and, yes. and my favorite scene, I think, is one that a lot of people love, is the darts scene where Ted beats Rupert um, yes. playing darts in the uh, the British pub. 
and and he does it while giving a little soliloquy on be curious not judgmental and i was sitting there in heaven like this is great i'm seeing this on a television show (laughs) in fact i saw an interview where uh somebody found a woman in the street who had tattooed that phrase onto her body because she liked it so much she liked that quote so much be curious not judgmental yeah yeah that, that kind of thing just gives me hope in a huge huge way Everybody else, I, I talk to a lot of people who talk about how much trauma there is. And yeah, there is. There's plenty of trauma going on. There's a lot of di- divisiveness. There's, you know, bad news. There's bad politics. Bad, bad. You can just go on and on and on. But man, there are so many signs for hope. So many signs of growth. I mean, you want to call it enlightenment. There's so many signs that people are enlightening. That, that people are getting it in ways that they never got it before. And they're demonstrating it. That, this is just one example of it. I mean, it's, to me, it's just popping up all over the place. But what's your perspective? When you look around at the world, what are you seeing in terms of, you know, the positivity versus the old trash? No, I agree with you 100%. In fact, I feel like that show, particularly the second season, really digs into self-care and therapy and doing things, you know, to better yourself. Yeah, they actually um, have a therapist on the show. I mean, my goodness, yes. how many times do you get that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Sherman. Um, and I know I work with a lot of therapists in my, you know, in my field. So um, if they don't know about it, I mention it to them because it's really helpful. And, you know, with so many um, mental health professionals now on social media and such that they, there are people getting little, little bites of self-care or self-improvement everywhere that I recommend to them, go watch Ted Lasso because you you have another source to tell somebody, make a point, you know, or a reference. Um, but yeah, I loved that they did that. I love that. I don't want to have any spoilers for season two. I don't know if everybody's seen it, but <laughs> with the, with the assistant coach and the dad issues no, yeah, and, right. you know, I just, I was really, just sitting there like, look at how they're doing that. <laughs> um, really, well, they, really fascinating. They managed to do something that a lot of programs and movies and so forth don't manage to do. They manage to grow the characters. The characters evolve. Yes. They don't stay. They, they started out as cardboards. They were, they were one-dimensional cardboard characters, which is why I hated the first two or three episodes. Yeah. And then they started to grow and they changed and they didn't behave according to type. They started behaving in ways outside of type. And, and like you said, they start bringing in all these these stereotypes and basically throwing them against the wall and showing that most of them didn't stick and that they there were different ways of looking at the same kinds of things. And oh my goodness, this is like this is like somebody wrote about life. This is this isn't something that came out of Hollywood. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's so it's subtle and complex at the same time mm. that we don't even realize the things that we're learning. Yes. internally and emotionally while we're watching. Um, and those of us who need that, to need to see these characters doing this, like, oh, my God, look at the way this guy's dad treats him. And, uh, you know, just kind of getting something out of it as we go along. And, or, and I love the humor that goes along with it, too, because I know which yes. scene you're thinking of. You're thinking of the scene where the star player's dad comes into the locker room and embarrasses him in front of the entire team. And Coach Beard goes over, grabs the guy, says, thanks for coming, and don't watch the door as you go out, wham, he slams him into the door. Everybody laughs when he does that, you know. It's it's got a humorous relief to it while you're experiencing this really, and then, of course, well, yeah, we we said not spoilers, but I I can't help it. I like to do spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) And and then the, the, uh, the, the gruffest player of all goes over to comfort him. The, the, yes. the, the one who is who has demonstrated that he's least in touch with his own feelings is the one who feels what this guy's feeling and goes over after they have been enemies throughout yes. most of the series, goes over to comfort him in front of the entire team. I mean, that was well, my wife, Louise, and I, like I said, she's a former therapist. So we can't just watch it. We're constantly analyzing everything because she's a therapist. So she has to look at everything from the therapeutic viewpoint. I'm just an analytical person. So, wow, did you see how they did that? Yeah. And they did this and they did that. And yeah, I can't believe they brought that in. And we're just like 
dissecting the whole thing and enjoying it. And we're, we're, do, we're Googling, looking stuff up as we're watching this. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It really is. It's great. In fact, I remember when we, we watched it right away um, because we had just gotten Apple TV and we're like, well, what is on here? And mm-hmm. we found it. And I like went on social media and started following all the actors. And I was like one of maybe a few hundred for yeah. some of them. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is really early. Right, <laughs> um, right. And now they're in, you know, the tens of thousands of followers or even hundreds of thousands of followers. But yeah, it was really interesting to see that, how they're not, they're not that known yet, but boy, are they going to get there? Cause it was really oh, yeah. different. Some of those characters are really, I mean, I, I didn't like how stereotypical they were and how cardboard they were. The one that I, I think is the most fascinating is the young woman who's the publicist, Keely yes. Jones. Yeah. Because you don't see characters like that. And she has turned that character into a three-dimensional character. It, is, it isn't just a, 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 a throw me to what, what a current young person is like. It isn't, it isn't that kind of a stereotype. She has turned it into a complete character into a complete yeah. person. So you believe that this person who the first few episodes, you're, you're shaking your head saying, do people actually behave like that? You now think of her as a real human being. And in fact, she's almost more real than anybody else, which is kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they and they are developing more and more of them, you know? They like are. you thought They're there was just developing. these characters, but now the whole team is getting a little bit of attention. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to how it keeps growing and of course the the cliffhanger at the end of the, the second season was the assistant coach who what used to be the the cleanup guy who ted lasso was trying was giving him some votes of confidence and so forth storms out because ted hadn't been giving him enough attention and becomes coach of an opposing team okay how's that going to play out <laughs> yeah yeah that's fascinating and also like i turned to my husband and i said so remember they brought the parents in and he's never enough for his dad. Oh, a lot goodness. of dad things this season. Yeah. And everything that he said to Ted was basically stuff that he really wanted to say to his dad because Ted's right. like a nice guy. He didn't mm-hmm. do this to you, but it's, he had those feelings. You know, when we said earlier about identifying his anger is really at his dad. That's right. But yeah. Ted is softer and easier to, you know, put that anger toward. By design. I mean, that's yeah. part of the Ted character. The Ted character yes. is he, he doesn't mind absorbing that stuff because he's learned how to deflect it. He has learned how to yeah. not let it get through to him, which is quite a powerful thing. He talked about mindfulness. He is, he, he has a, a lot for, he's done a lot where mindfulness is concerned. I mean, he has his own issues, but yes. he still has done a lot as a character. The character's done a lot to uh, yeah. really build himself up and, and get him to the point where he could be the kind of positive person that he is. Um, exactly. What, what, I'll, I'll, I'll do one more spoiler. It's a small one, but it was a part that I love. There's the, uh, the reporter. Um, I can't remember what his first name is, but from the independent, he's always so-and-so yes. from the independent, <laughs> right? And so-and-so from the independent writes his private profile piece on Ted. And yeah. at the end of it, he says, I, I know he can't possibly succeed in the premier league as a coach, but I can't help but root for him. And that's true. You can't help but root for him. He, he, he is corny. He's, he, he, he's almost unbelievably positive. He, he's not toxic positive. You used that term before, but some of the times he's almost, it almost looks plastic. And yet you root for him. He's yeah. a, he's a good protagonist for that reason because you really, do, I mean, after like the first few episodes, you want him to succeed. You have no idea how he could possibly do it. He, he seems like he's totally be, the, the, the job is way beyond what he could do, but he finds a way. He just yeah. finds a way to get through it all. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Good stuff. So, and that attitude is contagious. It is. Throughout the series. Everybody is getting a little bit of that, you know, contagion of positive or at least open. Right. That's some of the things like he takes his little, you know, his little plastic man and leaves it. He left Mm -hmm. his impact on you. Boom. You got that little (laughs) little character that lasso has impacted you. Um, He has touched you in some way that's positive and you're changed forever. It's a great way of dramatizing, if you will, or demonstrating might be a better word. 
demonstrating how positive energy transmits, how it yes. moves from one person to the next. And you don't necessarily see the energy itself move, but you see the results. It's the results are blatantly obvious and totally believable. I mean, it, it, none of that after those first few episodes, none of it feels fake. It all feels like, well, yeah, that's exactly how it would, you know, I could easily see it playing out that way. Makes total sense to me. It, it's ne it's very rare that I mean, there are a few things that happen that I don't quite believe, but most of it, I, I, I've suspended the disbelief for most of it, to use the phrase. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you're absolutely right. And that's the whole thing. That's why, like I said earlier, I believe that everybody has some kind of energy that they can transfer and healing yourself or healing others with your energy, you know, with who you yeah. are. As flawed as Ted is, as flawed as I am, as flawed as you may be, things that we've had happen in our past that we think are like, you know, those little secrets that we keep. But every event, every experience has developed you into who you are. Many of the bad things that happened to you made you more empathetic to someone else. And so you have this heart to share, this energy, you know, of love or like or compassion to share with others. That's a theme actually that has popped up, cropped up a lot, going through negative stuff and getting value out of it. Um, one of the most common ways that it has cropped up here on this series um, with all the interviews that I've done over the years is the theme that plays over and over again is I have a guest on who had something really traumatic that happened to them, usually early in life, sometimes later on in teens and 20s. And it almost killed them or it almost did something really horrible to them, but they emerged from it and they flew higher than ever before. That theme plays over and over and over again. And you hear the theme often enough and you say to yourself, it's more than just teaching us empathy for somebody else. It's teaching us how we learn from life. Because you, you keep hearing that same story. You say, we really do some people say we need i'm not so sure need is the right word we certainly do gain benefit from all these negative experiences we go through and those benefits translate in ways we can't see while we're in the midst of it and we certainly would never want to repeat the event again but you look back and you say wow some really good stuff came out of that really crappy crap it's just amazing how often that happens yeah i agree with you even the pandemic there are um, you know, that time, my, the last interview that I was on, the, um, the host said that he felt like humanity subconsciously asked for it to come and give us this permission for everyone to have a time to step back, sit with themselves, sit with the feeling, mm -hmm. reflect, um, because it was happening to all of us and we all were living our lives in this rat race and we were like doing this thing with blinders on and not really seeing the things around us that we take for granted. We were, you know, kind of devaluing our, our presence, our purpose here. And that for so many of us, we realized, oh my God, that rat race is killing me and I have no time. The work-life balance in particular was, was a huge, reflection for all of us. And it, in a sense, I agree that, you know, maybe we did attract that so that the collective could make a shift into a more compassion based life. I, I personally have made the same argument. So I, I'm totally on board with what you're saying. Um, in fact, uh, I like your analogy of the rat race because it was truly an instance where the rats were winning. <laughs> they were winning big time. <laughs> and we finally said, okay, we're dropping out of the race. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Agreed. I think it was a very healthy, um, healthy time in that. But now, again, we don't want to, after all this time, we don't want to have to go through it again. None of us want to have to go through that again. But there was some, there were a lot of benefits that came out. People, be, uh, on the one hand, there were, you know, if, if you lived in a dysfunctional family, your dysfunctionality got heightened because now you were forced to stay in the same physical space as the other dysfunctional people. Um, but if you were either working on it or you had already had achieved some level of functionality, you became closer to your family or closer to the people that you lived with. And, and so the human relationships in those cases actually enhanced. They got better. 
So it, again, it's a two-edged sword. Which way, which way did you go into it, and which way did you decide to come out of it? Because it is a decision. It isn't something. Yeah. I mean, if you go into it with just a default attitude, you know, whatever happens is just, is just whatever what happens is meant to be. Well, then, yeah, you, you can't really say you're necessarily going to come out of it feeling like you had this this great breakthrough. But if you go into it with a mindful attitude, no matter what the it is, you're going to come out of it with something huge at the end, and it's going to be wonderful exactly. if you can exactly. find it. I, I remember at one point, especially early on, like in the first month or two after the whole thing hit. We were doing episode after an ep episode where we were deliberately trying to help everybody keep their attitude up. And we, we would do uh, gratefulness, appreciativeness of what's, what's good about what's going on right now. It took a little while for people to get into the swing of it here on the show. But once we got into the swing of it, yeah, there was a lot to point to that was really, really good that was going on. And, and I can even point to a few of them today that are still playing out that uh, as an employer, I actually have trouble with one of them because it, it's caused me some challenge. But as a human being, I, I think it's a wonderful thing that happened. And that is for years, the uh, in the political realm, they were trying to raise the minimum wage among uh, the, the left wing and the right wing was trying to stop it. And, and so it wasn't an issue that wasn't getting anywhere. And then the pandemic comes along. The service workers, they work through the heart of it. They, they get tired of having to deal with all that. They decide they don't want to do it anymore. And all of a sudden, wages have to go up because there aren't enough workers. You know, that yeah. happened because of the pandemic. And mm -hmm. yes, I'm an employer. So as an employer, I had to make an adjustment there. I have made the adjustment. So I now have the employees that I need. The, the adjustment was, was a significant pay raise, not as significant as others have had to make, but I still had to make a significant pay raise. But it was worth it to me. And... I, I think it was actually a wonderful thing because what, what we were doing as a society was doing a reset that couldn't be done through the force of politics, but it could be done through the experience of life. I think it's pretty powerful. It is very powerful. It yeah. is, really. So lots of good um, things have come out of it. Definitely, definitely. That's that's when I got back to writing as well um, because when the shift happened, um, I had always said, I don't have time. I don't have time to sit down and write. I don't have time. And then oh, well, you got time. <laughs> suddenly, you know, so many people, we all thought it was going to be two weeks. Then they were like two months and then went on and on. Mm. But um, so many of my clients were like, I'll wait till you come back to doing it in person. So at first I had a lot of time on my hands. Yeah. And I always do self-care Reiki on me um, almost daily. Uh, and so all the messages that I was getting was it is time now <laughs> to write that book, Michelle. And I was thinking like, well, what, where do I start? What do I do? And then my husband's like, Hey, Michelle, you know, this would be a good time to write that book. And I'm like, I know, all I know. Everywhere. <laughs> so I just sat down and kind of meditated on it. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be the affirmation book. Like this is the okay. time. This is what everybody, because of course there could be the really woo-woo book, but that will not, that's not what's needed right now. What was needed right now is something that was palatable for everyone and affirmations were really, you know, something that people could use. And so, you know, it became affirmations, some pros in there of talking about scenarios and, and being good to yourself and being mindful with yourself and then some meditations and you know, opportunities to make some lists about what you like about yourself. And so it, it, um, it came together pretty fast, the writing of it. And I don't know if you've ever written a book, but the yeah, editing is the oh, yeah. longest it part. It goes on. <laughs> it's hard. Round um, 18. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a point I was like, oh, good. I'm done. I'm ready to submit it to the editor. And all of a sudden I hear one of my guides voices and it's like mommy, daddy issues. I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> okay. I'll put that in there too. Um, so yeah, it became really um, like a microscopic surgery in some senses with mm. the editing, but really turned out to be great. Um, two different artists for the cover art. And I was then happy. Um, and, uh, and tell people about the, uh, the name of the book too, and, and where that, that name comes from. It's a, it's a really interesting title for a book. 
Sure. It's um, hold space, affirmations and meditations for healing and loving yourself. And so the hold space is the part that gets my attention. That, that's that's yeah. an interesting choice to start off a title. What, where did that come from? <laughs> that came from my spirit guides. Uh-huh. So um, it was originally going to be, can I curse on here? You can do almost anything you want, yeah. Okay. So originally, my title was going to be Manifest the Fuck Out of Your Life. My editor, <laughs> um, my editor came back to me and she said, listen, I, I love your book, um, but I really have a problem with the title. Uh, and I was like, oh, here she goes. She's like, right. you know, conservative thoughts and that. But she wasn't. She said, listen, I have a friend who wrote a book and it was I don't know, another with the curse in the title. She said she has she drops F-bombs, S-bombs throughout the book. And it's very cheeky and it's very sarcastic. Yours is not like that. Yours is very nurturing and caring and helpful and she's like you have a handful of curses she said in fact i don't even think you need any of them and i was like fuck that they're staying (laughs) 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 but i had to read the title because i realized she was right she was absolutely right so i started writing things down nothing felt right fall asleep one night ask for guidance and there they are i hear hold space and I'm in, in dreamland and I'm like, hold space. Yes. Hold space. The book. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hold space. And they're like, write it down. And I'm like, I'll remember. And I have a very <laughs> long history of saying that. And they were like, wake up and write it down. They really did. Um, and I woke up. I, I didn't even have any, like I got my phone and I put it in my notes. Right. And went back to sleep, woke up and I was like, oh, my God, I don't remember what they said. And I had to read it. And I was like, thank thankful that they made me wake up like they had to yell at me to wake up. I just kept repeating it. They would say it. I would repeat it. It wasn't sticking. So I was so glad they had me wake up and write it down because it made total sense because Reiki itself is about holding space for that person to allow whatever healing they need at that time, whatever they're capable of receiving at that time, right? I can't force healing on you. That's not what Reiki is. It's it's really me holding that space and allowing the energy to flow through me so that you can take what you need. And So, so let's expand on that a little bit here because we, it's mm-hmm. not something we've talked about a lot. We've talked about it some here on the program, but not a lot. When you think of that phrase, hold space, what does that mean for you? What What is holding space? What is the action of holding space? To me, the the action of holding space is being present for that person and allow whatever they need at that time. If they need emotional healing to allow that. So um, Reiki energy is everywhere. It's just a matter of channeling through exactly what they need. And you're just the space holder. Okay. so whether you think of it as being in a room with somebody and, and allowing that to happen or you know, over the pandemic remotely be holding that space somewhere in space and time. I am here for you to allow you to receive and take whatever healing you need from this energy. And yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like a therapist, you know, they sit in a room with you or they sit on a zoom with you and they hold space for your healing by listening, by mirroring back to you what you just said. So you can hear it better than mm-hmm. just what you spew out without thinking. Right. And that is another version of holding space. A mother holding their child when they scraped their knee or got bullied at school. It's holding space, you know, allowing your child or whoever it is that you're holding space for to feel whatever they need to feel, to let go of whatever they need to let go of and receive that care. So if I were to find another way to try to define the same thing, I could say that holding space is deliberately setting aside time and attention to give to something that's important to this other person. Right. 
Yes. Yes. Having that intention of I am here for you mm -hmm. um, in the way that you need at this time. So, yeah. yeah. That's important. It's important also to hold space for ourselves. Very much. And we so often do not do that. But then we go back to that self-care and mindfulness of being aware of it. So that raises the question, then, if one of the things that we want to work on is self-care and improving self-care, what can we do to improve our, A, willingness, and B, uh, intention to actually hold space, to actually do that for ourselves? Um, so actually, we started with, you know, this interview that way about letting yourself sit with the feelings. That's mm -hmm. holding space for whatever you need to feel at this moment, whatever it is that's that emotion that's stuck that needs to come out, you know, and, and allow it to just be. You don't have to even name the feeling. You don't, like you said, you don't have to identify it. You don't have to know the source. You can just be with yourself and hold space for that. And when I say be with yourself, sometimes you're with a younger version of yourself. You know, mm -hmm. you may, as an adult, like in this pandemic, may have felt like a little kid scared of the world. And you may be holding space for your three-year-old, five-year-old, 10-year-old self and mm -hmm. letting yourself just feel like a scared child. Yeah. And, and that's what you need at that time. Mm-hmm. So, so when they told me hold space for my book, I was like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> this is more perfect than I could have thought of myself. Yeah. So thanks for the help, guys. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful stuff. This has been really good. We're, we're enjoying this conversation. It's kind of sad. We're, we're coming in on an hour, so we're almost done here. One thing we have yeah. to do, though, before we part company is we got to get some information from you. So sure. tell us, how do we reach out to you? I presume you have a website. Tell us how to find the book Hold Space with the long subtitle that I can't remember. So you have to remind <laughs> us what that subtitle is. Give, give us the whole spiel on how we find Michelle Kennedy. Sure. So um, I actually have two websites. One is mainly for the book. The other one is my Reiki Akashic Records uh, website. Which we didn't um, get to, by the way, but it shows how much you can talk about. I know, right? I, it's, yeah. it's a lot. But um so Hold Space, you can get it at any bookstore. If they don't carry it, they can get it. I made sure that I published so that small mom and pop bookstores could have it, hold it, sell it. Um, because, you know, the Amazon monster. But because <laughs> it is the monster that it is, you can also get it on Amazon, either by Kindle ebook or paperback. It is Hold Space, Affirmations and Meditations for Healing and Loving Yourself. But if you write in Hold Space, Michelle Kennedy, you're going to find it. There you go. Um, right. <laughs> and then I am on social media. So my websites are michellerosekennedy.com or myreikihealer.com. And on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all those I'm You're at my Reiki healer. <laughs> You're in all of them. You're everywhere. You're everywhere. <laughs> we'll make sure that we have the, in the show notes, we'll make sure we'll put your website and we'll link to the Amazon book so that we, they, they've got to, at to start with and then they can find their way from there. But we got to give them a way to reach out to you because it's always great of to course. hear from somebody, right? I mean, you love it when, when a listener, of course. Tunes, you know, contacts you and says, Oh, I was listening to you on the LOA Today show and you said such and such and blah, 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 blah. Exactly. It is really nice when someone finds me in this in this kind of way, because something I said hit them in a way that they needed, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that you hit us with all the right notes today. So I appreciate that. I appreciate your time and, and your expertise, sharing your knowledge like like you did. And as I, I have, I'm developing a new habit here and I, I'm trying to continue it this week. I want to thank you for the work that you do, because you and other people, you're doing work that is needed by a large number of people. And, and in your particular case, the energetic work you're doing, I think is ex exceptionally important simply because more and more people are coming on board with the idea that what we often call source energy is what makes everything work in the universe and have somebody who can practically help somebody to use that in their lives is really big. And you do that. So on behalf of all of your clients and, and your future clients, thank you for what you do. 
Thank you. Thank you for what you do, Walt, by putting, you know, people like me and, and other woo-woo people in the world, um, to, to have, uh, you know, a, a voice and make them a real person. Because I think that sometimes these subjects can feel scary and intimidating to people. And, you know, I'm just a regular person too. Yeah, we all are just regular people. But we love to do that woo-woo that we do so well. So thank you for doing the woo-woo as well. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.